Hello and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Nieves. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuiper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. And we are back with another episode of Fort Meade Declassified. Yay! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope our listeners are more excited than than that. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, hmm, that was subpar. Yeah, to be fair though, listeners, Joe and I made the unfortunate mistake of eating lunch before recording this. Right before. Yes, it makes us very, very tired. We're very relaxed, very, very, <laughs> very chill. Maybe we need some soothing jazz music in the background yeah. to, to walk us into all of this. You know what we haven't talked about in a while? We haven't talked about movies or entertainment. Oh, there's some good movies I want to oh, see. Oh, there's so many. There's some good ones that I've seen. Did you watch um, The Tomorrow War yet? Yes, I did. Is it good? It, it was super good. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It was fantastic. And it, I was a little disheartened at first. Like I kind of put it off because I heard the reviews were poor. And then I watched it and I'm like, I don't understand the critiques. Like it was a solid film. It had a lot of questions, but I felt like with a sequel, they could totally flesh it out. Almost <laughs> like if they did it as a series rather than as a movie. Nice. Yeah. All in all, I absolutely loved it. I'm looking forward to that one. I think maybe tonight I have nothing on my calendar. Yeah. I might be able to go home and watch it. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Okay. I dig I, it. I like it. Uh, one I wanted to bring up that I was pleasantly surprised by was the Fear Street trilogy. Oh, my God, yes. I watched them all the second they came out. Oh, weren't they good? They they were surprised. They were shockingly good. Right? Because I expected it to be like, I don't know what I expected, but as a kid, and I'm aging myself a bit, but I was a young teenager when those books came out. Yeah. And specifically the ones that this uh, trilogy was off of. Yeah. And I I loved them. Yeah. They kind of spoiled me because now I want to watch like good old fashioned classic kind of horror films and... There's not many with the kind of plot that this one had. It felt like a good plot. Yeah, it's kooky and it's not normal. It's super supernatural and everything like that. But I found myself really enjoying the plot of the of the movies. Well, yeah. Well, those are the plots of the books. Right. So if you read the Fear Street books when you were a kid, right. the, the whole backstory is, all, is that whole yeah. witch trial type thing. Yeah. So, Which is crazy that they kept it so close to the books. Super good. Highly yeah. recommend. And way Very. more graphic a few times super than I thought. Super violent, yeah. <laughs> a couple of times I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Like, I know our listeners are probably like, yeah, it's nothing. Oh, no. But it was good. It was, I for me, for I, I like classic horror films and stuff like that. So for me, this was really well done. And, and did you know in the second movie, they actually filmed at Camp Crystal Lake on oh, Friday they? the 13th? That wouldn't surprise me. They totally filmed at Camp Crystal Lake, which was L- looked, amazing. Looked familiar. Yes, it, it did. looked familiar. A lot of landmarks. The other thing I really enjoyed too, especially in the first one, when the young lady's working at the bookstore and selling all those Robert Lawrence yes. trashy novels. Those, oh. Hopefully you can all figure out who Robert Lawrence is because yeah. he was R.L. R. L. Stein. Stein yeah. So I thought that was really a he cheeky way to do it and, yeah. and everything. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was really good. Oh yeah. I'm a surprised you watch that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I'm, I'm not a huge fan of horror films in that they don't have a lot of replayability, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy them. I, I just don't like a movie. I can't watch more than once. Gotcha. So like Tomorrow War, I can watch 
plenty of times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could put it on. It's intense. So I might not put it on for my kids, but it's not so bad that a kid can't watch it. Yeah. It's just intense. It is. It is. Well, two great recommendations. Oh, yeah. Do you know what our military spouses end up doing more than once, Joe? What? Finding a job. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, if they move with us when we PCS. So, yeah, finding new finding jobs. Finding a job. They're always doing that. And our listeners have probably picked up a time or two. I've mentioned that I'm a military spouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's an it's a issue near and dear to my heart. But today we're very lucky. We have somebody here to talk about it. Yes, and, we do. Yeah, George Matthews. He is the Employment Assistance Program Supervisor over at Army Community Services. And one of his big jobs is to help uh, spouses find the resources they need to get not only employment, but good employment. Not underemployment, employment at their job level. And it's a resource here at the Fort ACS that I am encouraging all of our spouses to go check out and use. Absolutely. And it's really great to have him on the show today. Mr. Matthews, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so excited that you're here because you're, we're going to be talking about something, Joe, that's very near and dear to my heart, mm-hmm. spouse employment. Yep. So when we're married to those active duty military service members and we're moving every couple years, it's really hard to find a job sometimes. Yeah. So, so George Matthews, you're here to talk to us about that today. And part of our employment program here at the Fort is through Army Community Services, also known as ACS. So, George, can you tell us a little bit about what ACS is? Sure. So, ACS, like programs and all of the services, uh, in the Navy you have Fleet and Family Support Center. In the Air Force you have Emma Readiness Center. So, all of those programs fall in a category called family programs, or in some cases, family readiness programs. And so, those programs are a result of DOD and the military components recognizing years ago that to keep that airman or soldier or seaman combat ready, we need to also take care of his or her family. And so, again, ACS falls under the category called family programs. And so to give you an example, is there, of course, uh, it's almost August now, and so we we probably are... Oh, 75% through the big move for the summer. Yeah, the big PCS surge. Correct, correct. Well, before those folks even come here, and again, as Sherry said, she's a military spouse, it's not uncommon at all then if Sherry's coming out of California or coming out of Las Vegas, she's going to look at a website about what Fort Meade has to offer. Yep. Well, Army Community Service then is the agency who's responsible for updating that website. It's called uh, DEMS. And again, it's so folks can see what's there. For So for example, on that website, you're going to find out how far uh, uh, meat is from the D.C. area, yep. from the Washington, from the Baltimore area. Uh, also, of course, a big, big deal because still most of the military are younger, younger uh, parents. They want to know about child care. Right. All of those kinds of links are going to be on that site then that as a community service program, the ACS then must upkeep to make that site works. Also, uh, anyone who arrives on Fort Meade has to go through something called a newcomer's orientation. Right. On the Army side, then, that's done by ACS. Matter of fact, right now, uh, every other Wednesday, ACS is the one who hosts that 
orientation. Right. And the wonderful thing about that orientation is, as you can imagine, when you arrive at a new place, you have all these different places you got to stop at. Yes. Yeah. I need to get a signature here, a signature there. <laughs> Even if I don't need a signature, I need to get a signature. Well, what newcomers orientation does then is bring all of those services and basically a one-stop shop. And so we've been very fortunate last summer that we were able to quickly pivot to doing this virtually. Yes. But again, it is a huge service. And one other one I want to mention uh, that ACS does uh, that has to do with has to do with PCS and so forth is sometimes, particularly some of the, the younger soldiers, when they arrive here and based on the housing situation, they got to move off post. Yeah. Right. Well, of course, when you move off post, the problem is not the first month's rent. The problem is a deposit, yeah. which is the same amount as a first month rent. Right. Then yes. you may need financial help. Yeah. So ACS then through uh, air through Army Emergency Relief then is there to help organize or or, or, or help the coordinate services. Right. We don't have a pot of money, but we know the folks who got a pot of right. money. Yeah. And so what we do on this end then is to make sure folks have the process correct then to make the right appeal. And and probably lastly, ACS is also the uh, agency responsible for it. The family advocacy program. Okay. We just sent, we be very much like uh, our civilian community. We have issues with spouses and spouses and kids and yeah. and uh, I know folks like Sherry and me probably never had this problem, but there really are folks who are scared to death of bringing a newborn home. Yeah. What oh, do yeah. I do with it? What? How do I feed it? <laughs> so what? I mean, it, it, and and so FAP does those kind of things yes. as well as one last thing I'll absolutely mention. And is and is I've been surprised by how uh, common this is in the military. A lot of our army families have what's called exceptional yes. family yeah, members. The EFMP. That yeah. is a big deal. ACS then takes on that responsibility of coordinating those activities. So again, yeah. if I were to leave a lasting impression, I would say that ACS does not own as much as much as they do the coordination right. for information and services. And yeah. that's really important. One, I'm glad you mentioned the Exceptional Family Member Program. Fort Meade is a mm-hmm. compassionate post because yep. of our proximity to a lot of great services outside in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's really great there. But I also am glad you mentioned it's a resource because as a spouse, my husband's kind of always directed the moves and everything, and I'm the one left trying to find this research. And I remember, so my husband's not an Army service member, but we were stationed at Fort Benning many years ago when he was going through some training. And that was the first time I learned about ACS. And I learned it early on. And throughout the time there, and ever since then, I've always known that there was something like ACS wherever we would go. And I knew to find them and look for things. And I remember he was looking for something once. And I knew exactly where to go and exactly where it was because of ACS. And uh, so I guess my point to the spouses is we love our military service members, Mm. but they don't know everything. And there is something like ACS for every branch on every base. Correct. And you've just got to find it. I think... I think something the service members don't necessarily automatically think when they think about the military, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, is that the military does take this kind of whole family approach where in order for the service member to be strong and capable, 
They're going to take care of the spouse. They're going to help take care of the children. They're going to find you the services you need. They're going to take a lot of that pressure off of you, which is especially with something like EFMP, it's a huge, huge deal. So I really like to hear and that we can convey that to the listeners that it's more than just we care about the service members. We care about the family. And, and we're that's gonna, an important message. And we're going to post links to yes. ACS yes. and where you can find them in the show notes. But you mm-hmm. can go to home.army.mil forward slash mead and you can connect with ACS that way. Yeah. You can also go to the community page on the website and connect with ACS and a bunch of great services for spousal employment, which is what we're really here to talk about yeah. today. And something very, yeah. like I said, so near and dear to my yeah. heart. So... Your team, they do surveys and then they have they have lists of, of services and everything. But you guys are also tracking how many uh, military spouses are unemployed or underemployed. What do those numbers look like? So, so Joe, th- those numbers are kind of hard to nail down yeah. uh, because one thing about Fort Meade, although Fort Meade itself is not a purple or a joint installation, you have folks here from all of the different services. And in right. many cases, yeah. by the way, those folks who are here may not necessarily be authorized or signed at Fort Meade. So they may be here. Their spouses may be somewhere else in terms of, you know, DMV area mm-hmm. or the MDW area. And so it's always very, very difficult to really get a handle on who and how many. However, just simply based on the number of military folks we know here and tossing in a percentage of how many may be married and so forth, there are probably, I'm going to say, somewhere between ten to 14,000 spouses, again, based on where uh, they might be on a given right. month. Okay? Right. But the other question, Joe, is a great question when you talk about unemployed and underemployed. Right. And I would say that underemployed is probably almost a universal thing with military spouses and probably even more important than unemployed. Yeah. Right. It, it is absolute frustrating when you talk to a spouse and he or she has a bachelor's or even a master's degree mm-hmm. right. and they are doing the job of something that someone can do with a GED yeah. or at right. best case a, a, an associate. And so you mentioned this survey we did. And so a part of the survey was to get a sense about the underemployed because it's going to take some tremendous strategy to have an impact. But again, when you talk about providing services, one of the most important things you got to do, though, you got to find out what the real needs are yeah. and what are the potential mitigations for that. So too often we talk in generalities and we have absolutely nothing to back that up other than someone's, I got a feel for it or someone's anecdotal comments about that. And so in a survey we recently, convic- we recently uh, uh, conducted, of the folks who did answer the, answer the survey, and again, some were employed, some was under, some was not employed, but among those that were employed, that were employed I want to say probably forty percent considered themselves underemployed. Yeah. Mm. Now there is another thing come along with that. Very few folks who are underemployed are making the kind of money they think they should, they should make. Right. Be, be, because right. I'm not going to hire you at a lower rate and pay you a higher price. Right. That, right. That, that does not come. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really important because my husband, we were having this conversation before we started recording. You know, he's in North Carolina right mm-hmm. now. One of the big reasons I'm not there is there is no work for me. And I would be taking such a huge cut, Yeah, you know, to go and take a job there. And could I? Absolutely. But I also have this thing called a student loan that my husband's love and desire to have me there with him does not pay. And as George said before the show, maybe I should just send a note. My husband really, really loves me. Consider this payment for my student loan. I wish it were that easy. If only. But the reality is, you know, there's there's nothing there for me. I'd be, you know, and and that's a really hard position for me to be in. It's a hard position for any of our military families to be in and you know you know the military you know every time my husband gets a job he's given a job Mm -hmm. and i have to look for one we have a very long arduous process in finding one if you work for the government um if you have a civilian job it's a little i want to say easier but not necessarily because i was trying to find work to go and be with my husband and um so it's it is a stressor and i think sometimes our our resiliency kind of bites us spouses because we're willing to take that cut and take that sacrifice. And then we end up in a position not getting what we're worth. Yeah. And that's, and then, but then we're just, that's what we're used to. So we keep dealing with it and and we shouldn't have to do that. I don't know what the answer is. And I know there's probably a lot of spouses sitting there in agreement and, you know, I've been blessed. My, my career before I got here was kind of mobile and I could move around, but depending on where we moved, it would fluctuate. You know, I wasn't getting paid nearly as much yeah. as I was worth for my experience because I was in Wilmington, North Carolina and not DC and, and ah. things like that. And it's, it's hard. It's so hard. So Sherry, and I hope that for military members listening to this podcast, they pick up on the value of this to their spouses. Right. And I have to give you an example of uh, that reflects what you're talking about, Sherry. So one of my former bosses retired was lieutenant colonel in the Army. And his wife, of all things, was an RN, which means for her, job was a non-issue. Yeah. Right? He said, but every time he got transferred, the folks there knew he was coming. Yep. And most cases had an office for him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And many kids had a desk with his name mm-hmm. on yep. the desk. Yep. yep. <laughs> when he walked in, he had a uniform on. As a name tag said who he was. There was a, a, a epaulet that said what his the rank, rank was. was right. yeah. So to me, it's because this is a common language. Right. And and lastly, he said the folks that he was going to work for. I'm talking about his bosses and so forth already had a career brief of him, already had an evaluation of him, they knew what they was getting. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, so, so this was simply a matter of just taking the pieces, moving around and sticking them in. He said, but his wife, though, who was an RN, right. she must first have to apply somewhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yep. They must look at her credentials yep. and say, maybe, okay, okay. And then she'd go through the interview process. Yep. So, okay, are you going to fit for this one? Yep. Because yeah. there's no guarantee. That's exactly what I'm talking and, about. Yeah. And, and by the way, from state to state, which is amazing, it varies by licensure. Yep. Yeah. That's a big deal. Ugh. So, fortunately, Maryland, probably going back some years ago, probably I think 2011, 2012, within, the, within their Department of Labor then, have a program 
whereby you can transfer those licensing with absolute minimal disruption. But but, but even then, I got to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I got to do it. It's not automatic. Right. And uh, that's and yeah. that's exactly right. And then my 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 next favorite thing I get so like like the RN, we go through all the processes and then we get in the interview. Mm. Well, so how many years are you going to be here? <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> And it's like hard to it's hard to avoid that question because it's hard to avoid I try really hard talking about my spouse or my family in my interviews. Yeah. As as a woman, I just I cut all those things out. People will be surprised. People are surprised to learn I have a twenty year old kid sometimes because they're like, I didn't even know you had kids, and yeah. I and I make it a point not to talk about my husband. But sometimes you just can't avoid yeah. it, yeah. and it's and it's obvious where they know your husband and and yeah, oh, you're only going to be here two years. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm going to be here two years, and so <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you've heard many complaints. And, so and, so Sharon, on that one, there's two things though. When my lieutenant colonel arrives at the next installation, the only difference in pay may be a locality. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Whereby, based on what's the financial or fiscal status of the hospital his wife is now on with, there may be a significant cut. Yes. And yeah. she has no choice because that's the going rate yep. for that, for that organization. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think too, and and I say and I say this with love to all of our military service members. My my husband, also a little guilty of just not realizing the effort yeah. and the process I went through, and and I talk openly, and, and my boss here knows, and, and the colonel knows I applied for this job at Fort Bragg because my husband yeah. was down there, and I went through months of interviews. I went through the ringer. I went through the ringer and got nothing, right. nothing, it's and crazy. so. It's and it just it isn't financially responsible for me to just up and yeah. uh, first of all I love this job and I'm happy to be here and there's a silver lining and we're glad you're staying that. but <laughs> but but even just looking at the finances not every family is fortunate enough to do what me and my husband are doing right now mm-hmm. and that separation doesn't work for everybody and yeah. if you have exceptional family members it's probably not the best to be separated Correct. and if you have young families it's just not mentally good to be separated. I mean, it stinks for us. So, And, and that's an unfortunate reality that a lot right. of service members and their families are dealing right. with. I've met many senior leaders, especially like this isn't just a, you know, junior enlisted problem. This is across the board. Right. I've met many senior leaders whose spouses are halfway across the country because it just doesn't pay or it doesn't make sense right. for them to uproot them every two to three years. Yep. And sell the house and get new jobs and kids go to new schools. Yeah. Some of them opt to leave their family in one location and can yeah, you? We have like, a term for it: geo batching. Geo batching, like, yeah. Like it's such a, it's such a, it's such an issue. Sure. I mean, we can't pretend this is a new problem. Yeah. We have a term for it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's crazy that it's not. It, it, it's almost not viewed as a problem. It's viewed as a lifestyle. Correct. Yeah. So that's a great comment. You know and. <laughs> Yes, because I've been t- explaining to people where my husband is recently. Yeah. Now that we've come out of COVID and people are realizing he's not here, yeah. And I'm and I and then I I've literally said that. And as you as you laugh, George, I literally looked at people and say, "We're used to this. Yeah. This is this is kind of like normal for us." And that's that's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally normal to like not be with my husband. It's a strange it's a problem strange that thing. a lot of people won't yeah. ever have to experience. But the military, it's just. 
it's almost a package deal sometimes. Yeah. Right. Which is unfortunate. Right. But so let's say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting PCS to, to Fort Meade and my spouse is going to be coming with me and she's going to be looking for a job. What's her first step? What's the first thing a spouse does when they're looking to come here to Fort Meade? So Joe, first of all, it's, it's a great question. And let me tell you the importance of this first step. The first step then is the same thing in the military in combat. You gather intel. Mm. <laughs> yes. So that first step then is to contact someone like an ACS, a Fleet and Standard Support Center, and Everyone Readiness Center to get a sense of what's there. Right. Folks want jobs that they're not only satisfied with, there's some level of promotion potential. Yeah. Yes, like that's what I was just going to say. Yes. That's, career, career path. There's nothing wrong with those jobs. We need people who yeah. want to work those jobs, and those jobs are great. But I'm at a point in my career, I've done those jobs. Right. I, I worked at right. sporting goods stores, put me through college and all that oh good my stuff. Right. And I absolutely loved it, and there was a time and place for me. But now I'm looking for jobs for promotion. And like you're talking about... Um, the RN, the lieutenant colonel, he gets his. It's yeah. like he walks in and it's like, here you go. And we have to look for ours as the right. spouse. And uh, and I wanted to ask, too, and I, and I just wanted to say, because um, I know we've leaned towards probably sounding like spouses are all women. They're not. They're not at all. They're not. They're not. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, we have lots of male spouses as well. And do they face any special challenges to being they, a male spouse? In this kind of environment, they face the same type of challenges. That even provides a greater challenge because you got this masculinity thing. Right. Mm. So I'm following her around, and I now I cannot get employed. Right. Uh, uh, so yeah. So that 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 challenge is out there on all sides. Right. Now, let's take a great example of what. But it's not a challenge. So I've got two folks who are married. And they both work in the cyber community. Mm-hmm. And we decide, you know what, for whatever reason, the male is getting out. She's staying in. Because it's a cyber type job, that's a whole different ballgame. Matter of fact, he or, she, he or she may get out and in two months is making more than they were making. Yeah. But so, so again. Working in the same office. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I said earlier that, that, that what the spouse wants to do is to contact us. First of all, get a sense of. Lay the land, and I'll give you one, one of the others. So in our survey, then, over half of the respondents said they would love a federal job. Mm-hmm. So I'm old enough to recall <laughs> when folks would say, yeah, I'm going to retire. I'm going to get out and get me a good government job and sit there for life. Those good government jobs are no longer quite as available. Right. They're hard They're, to get. <laughs> yes, they are. And and there are two big reasons for it. Believe it or not, one of the reasons is nine one one. So now I wanted to shut off government jobs. But what it did, though, as you are both probably well aware, the, one of the categories of preference in the government hiring business is veterans' preference. Right. Well, pre nine one one, you most guard and most reservers were not considered veterans. Because veterans has a very simple definition. You must spend 180 days on Mm. active duty during non-training. Right. Most, most, uh, think about it. I'm a reservist. I go two weeks, two weeks a year. I'm sorry, two weeks for a summer. You never have that. And so you never never got that. Well, post-911, there are reservists 
and guard folks who spent more time in Iraq and Afghanistan than active right. folks. Right. Yeah. yeah. So therefore, yeah. therefore, it has just mushroomed. So the same again, yeah. you, you wear this. The same issue the VA has now. Yeah. With all of these new cases and clients. Those are all a result of the mushrooming right. of the veterans population since 2001. Right. The other thing that's happened, though, is going back, starting, actually, this started as, started as early as the Clinton administration, you've had a steady downsizing of the federal government footprint. Right. And I'm not sure Sherry was here. Joe probably was. But just two years ago, in FY19, mm-hmm. we had, I'll take it back, in FY18, we actually had cuts on Fort Meade, yep. the whole Vera Visep thing. Yep. And we threatened it into <laughs> in FY19. So I'm saying, and, and, and that's all a part of this constant, I'm sorry, yep. of, of, of this continuously downsizing mm-hmm. of the federal government. So now I have those two things, and I have spouses then coming and saying, well, I want a federal job. Well, in this the case, spouses are facing the same thing many veterans the number of people have told me have told me, Mr. Matthews, I applied for the same job I did in the military. I know they said I wasn't qualified. No, I wasn't the best qualified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> it may not have been. Right. Yeah. Based on the number of factors. And of course, the third thing that impacts this, used to be a time Sherry is in this area. She knows there's a job at DISA or whatever the case is. She's applied for that job. In many cases, using paper. Now though, Sherry can be in Korea. Mm-hmm. And go through USA Jobs. Yep, that's a job right there in in Fort Meade. And I believe that the COVID is going to make it worse in this sense. So COVID has led to mobile working. Mm-hmm. So there are folks who are considering retiring or considering quitting now can work from Virtual. their bedroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. they go. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going anywhere. I, I can do this one. Right. And, and so those are factors that have definitely impacted the ability then for spouses to get those federal jobs. And it hadn't occurred to me because, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, uh, being able to work from home has taught us a lot about how we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we've been forced to change this past year. Quite yeah, a bit. yeah. And I could totally see myself extending the period of time I planned on being somewhere just because now it's easier for me to do my job. Right. 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 So, yeah, that I, it hadn't occurred to me. That's so that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So with all all of these challenges that that military spouses are, are facing, George, what are what are the resources and services available. I know that you personally are, are working with some community partners to, I guess, expand uh, the help for the spouses. Can you tell us a little, a little bit about that? So, Sherry, again, that's a great question, and particularly your comment about the uh, workforce development partnership. So, here are where things are. Here are where things stand right now. Again, ACS, Female Family Support Center, the Emeritus. They all have the same resources. Someone can give them a list of jobs. Mm -hmm. Someone can assist them with resumes. Someone can uh, uh, even give them a practice interviews. Mm -hmm. What none of those agencies can do, though, is create new jobs or improve the client's capability. And in fact, I forgot to mention, TAP's also a resource because... When a person goes to TAP, 
her or his spouse then also are eligible for all oh, of the informants. I forgot to mention I that. I didn't know that. No, yeah. that's good. I always thought that yeah. was just for the transitioning no. service member. And even after being told too often, the transitioning service member think the same thing. But I just told you it's for your spouse too. Yeah, I got it. I got it. And so, yeah, because, again, we always like to emphasize that transitioning is a family affair. Mm. Right. And if you often make it not a family affair, you might not be a family too much long (laughs) post-military. So a project management professional is someone who knows all the intricate processes of bringing a project forth and managing that project. So folks like me in the military swear we were a project manager. We were on this and that and so forth. Right. But we missed, for, for example, as a military person, I never, well, I was an, not only a military person, I was in the aircraft maintenance business. Well, the Air Force lives on, aircraft, on airplanes. So I never had to make a big budget mm. ask. Yeah. <laughs> the money was there. And guess what? We ran out of money, airplane got to fly, you got more money. Mm. Whereby in the project management business, you must know all the intricacies. You need, you need to know how you need to know who your stakeholders are, how you're going to influence them, what the fun, all of those kinds of things. Well, you had a lot of folks leaving the cyber units over there who were very, very capable of managing project, except for they did not have a certificate. Mm-hmm. That certificate takes some time, and it takes some help, some coaching, quite frankly. Yeah. That grant got those folks that help. So let me tell you the difference between having a PMP and not having a PMP. So I'm going to take a scale of 1 to 10. When you came out of the military then, you might be able to get a job on a scale of 5, and you work toward 10. With a PMP, though, your job may start at an 8. Yeah. So how soon would it take you to get to a 10 then versus starting at a 5? Right. right. Of course. Right. And so those are services that the Army does not provide. TAP right. cannot do that. So this workforce development thing you're talking about, Sherry, what we hope to do is to get training and certification Right. that's going to move some of these underemployed folks to properly employed folks. Right. As well as what I really hope to get out of this is get more of the spouses also moving toward that IT cyber thing. And why do I say this? Because Sherry, who tends the uh, Fort Meade Alliance meeting, noticed already. So it is projected there is a 64,000-person shortage yes. of IT jobs in this area. Oof. That's money for the taking. But mm. i got to train you yeah. right, for that. And i got to certify you for that. So even in the HR community... I mean, actually, HR, not folks in my management. I mean, actually, in HR management, that's certification. And when you leave the 704th or the 741st as an HR person and you say, well, I want to go into HR. So I'm a master sergeant. What do you mean I'm not qualified? Mm-hmm. Because the HR has something called a Society of Human Resources Certification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to give you the kind of training. I'm going to pay for it. That That's what this partnership is designed to do. That's fantastic. Right. And I think that's great. And, and George, you did a great job explaining what those workforce developments do. And I just 
think it's important to let everybody know, you know, Georgia mentioned the Fort Meade Alliance meeting. So, you know, the Fort Meade Alliance, the Fort Meade Community Covenant Council is kind of like our umbrella, uh, the Community Covenant Council, that is, um, umbrella of organizations who are here to to support the fort in a lot of ways outside of that traditional military mission right. um, thing. And two of those partners are Anne Arundel County and Howard County, and specifically Anne Arundel County Workforce Development mm-hmm. and now Howard County Workforce Development. And I know we're still working through some MOA, uh, you know, um, you know, agreements and things like that with Howard County, but those, that just expands the availability to get these services and certifications to these spouses um, because working through them, a lot of times they get grants and stuff, so it doesn't cost the spouse anything. Anything, which which is amazing. And I think, too, you know, I'm probably a little at the age where I don't know if I want to switch to an IT career right now. <laughs> but when, when you were saying that, George, I was thinking of the military kids who are graduating high school. Absolutely. Like, hey, kids, yeah, <laughs> listen exactly. up. And, and workforce, these workforce development groups, it's not just for spouses. It's for, it is for anybody. We Absolutely. at Fort Meade are yeah. focusing on our spouses and, and things of that nature. But, but for the military kids who are hearing this and who like IT stuff and who think that's interesting, George just said there's a lot of money there in that, especially if you're going to be staying in this community, absolutely. Um, you know, for a long time, you know, and um, I think a lot of that is is undersold. I think George, the last thing I want to ask you is, is this. So you know, we talked earlier. A lot of companies are like, "Oh, you're only going to be here two years." Blah right. blah. What do you? What would you say to companies? What do you want them to know about hiring a military okay. spouse? Specifically, companies in our. AOR or our MDW. If we were to have a job fair on Fort Meade today, we could not accommodate all the companies that are interested because those companies that are coming are all connected to defense contracts. Mm. But those companies, more often than not, are trying to hire that military kid or young man or young woman coming out of the Uh, campus over there. Right. Yeah. What I need those companies to do is to look at and explore more opportunities for folks who are non-cyber, but create something like an internship or an apprenticeship for them to get into some of the arenas they still have a need for. Preferably paid. We need to stop this non-paid internship. (laughs) Experience doesn't pay my bills or my student loans. (laughs) So, and, and because again... It's no surprise, going, if you go back 20 years, probably starting 20 years ago, business as a whole, to include the federal government, right. stopped investing in training folks. Yeah. We said fully qualified. Now, the reality is a lot of folks aren't fully qualified, but they're fully qualified enough right. to get into the door. Yes. We, need, we need to know then, so not every job, that has an IT component needs you to have a dog on computer science degree, okay? Right. <laughs> it right. needs you to kind of know how to turn on a computer on five out of six times successfully, and how to send an email. Don't, don't use those things then as discriminators. I need businesses and companies to become partners to really set aside and dedicate efforts to hire spouses because they are out there and they have some of the very skills and particularly those, what they call soft skills, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. that folks are looking for. I need to let, I need, I need to have the company let those folks in the door. And this is, and by the way, this also extends past 
the defense contractors. There are companies in Baltimore and Columbia and this area who will never set foot on Fort Meade. That thing is, well, Fort Meade is all IT and cyber. No, no, Fort Meade also has these spouses who could do well, but I need, so I need, I need the whole community then to be involved and mm, saying right. we want to bring this workforce out to our places. That's right. And, mm-hmm. and so last thing, sure, you mentioned early on, so it's no surprise to anybody that going back again 10, 15 years, there has become, you know, so I'm of the old school that if I got a job at IBM in 1992, I'm retired from IBM then sometime in 2022. Right. We now know that in today's work environment, one of the easiest ways to move up, to move out of the company. Yep. So we know that in many companies these days, the time on the job is somewhere between two to four years. Right. They're going to move anyway. So therefore, at least that military spouse, if her or his husband is there, or wife is there for three years, you might get them for three years. Right. So, so I would say do not... Don't any longer hold that as fact they're going to move in three years. Right. No, no. Instead, look at, look at the fact that what can they do for me in three years? Right. And yeah. by the way, they may also become the linchpin to the person falling out to them. Right. So when they know. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's kind of my comment on that, on that, Sherry. I think it's a good comment. I second yeah. it whole wholeheartedly. And I, I love what you said. It's what we can do in those two and three years. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. And as a spouse who's, I've moved around, I've, I've worked my butt off at all those jobs and yeah. And so I get that. Well, George, thank you for joining us today. If anything, I hope that the spouses listening, especially those new ones who just came in through PCS, you know, ACS is a great first stop, whether it's um, employment, other family family readiness stuff kind of just i think just go visit acs sure. and just say hi i'm here what can you what do you got and and george and the rest of his team will, will hook you up with what's available here at the fort um if you're not in the army there's we have fleet and family services here we have marine corps community services here if you're in the marine marines what's the air force one so the air force actually is just kind of a, a small presence here the air force is actually for the most part the services at andrews and it's called the airman and family Residence center right okay but regardless i think no matter what branch you're in right stop by and see george and he'll get you to the right place yeah. so is that a fair statement it's a fair statement but i also, also say do not remotely underestimate then the value that you all have given by creating this community support page. Because yes. going to this page, then, you will see all of those connections. If you won't see them, I'll get them to you shortly because that way you kind of know what's out there as well as the fact that some jobs there. And so I think that that employment page of the community readiness right, so this that is, you've done is, is, a yeah. great, is a great asset that you all have developed. Yeah, and this is so what he's talking about is the community page. If you go to the, the Garrison website, so that's that home.army.mil forward slash mead and you'll see an option you can click on community and that's the page of george is talking about lots of great resources there on post off post um, but specifically jobs of um, here on post uh, connecting you with george and his team and so on and so forth so so the jobs are out there and and george and his team are here to to help you fight the good fight and get the job you deserve so so thanks for joining us george
Thank you all for having me. So I really, I really enjoyed that conversation with George, and um, he brought up something that I, I really, I really appreciated. He said that when they have people come in for their in processing and newcomer stuff, they bring all of the services to one place so yes. that the people don't have to travel around the installation to find everything. Right. Which I can really appreciate. Absolutely, and the newcomers briefing is. Huge for our new families to go to. First impression. Yeah. First impression. And like you just said, everybody kind of comes to you, which if you've ever navigated a military base, you know, it's not always, it's not not always easy. So love that concept, but they're bringing that to the virtual platform, right? Yeah. So actually I am. Um, So I'm going to work by they, we mean Joe. (laughs) So I'm going to work with George and his team and other people who are involved in the in in processing process. And we're going to try to make a newcomers page where we can put all of the resources in one location. So this is going to take some time folks this is this is a job like it's one of those things that's going to take take some some work but keep an eye out over the next few weeks on home.army.mil forward slash mead and it'll probably be another forward slash in newcomers but we'll see and uh keep an eye out and we'll get that up and going well and that'll be great because you know with this pandemic stuff we're still not fully back in person and a lot of things and plus you know if any spouses out there are like me, they start doing that research mm-hmm. before they come to the mm-hmm. base. It'll be so nice for them to see all of that stuff in one place. Absolutely. Um, so if you love it, let Joe know. And if you hate it, let Joe know too, because <laughs> <laughs> he's the one making it. Uh, but we have some other exciting things happening yeah. Um, yeah. aside from the newcomers page. So last podcast, we talked about the ride share. Yes. And some of you may heard the rumor that the Crofton Connector is coming back to the fort. That is true. That is the Crofton Connector is coming back. Um, Anne Arundel County just has to work out a few kinks just with a few things that came up during the pandemic and things like that, but it should be coming back soon. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this in your ears, it's already back. Yeah, we Um, hope. But but just know that it is coming back and and we're we're working on it and we're working with um, the county and we we hope to see it soon. And we we should be updating that content on the website so you'll be able to find it uh, on the website once it's updated. So we have to wait and see. We'll blast it out there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, And also in theme with our ride shares, so, you know, if you uh, don't want to drive to work, perhaps you would like to ride your bike to the fort, Mm -hmm. Pepper Gate is very popular among our cyclist friends out there. So that gate has been fixed. Yes. However, we're going to be shutting off the old passes and we have to reissue new ones. And that is also on the horizon. We're also going to be pushing that out on social media and everything. Um, So, so look for that as another fun way to get to work, avoid the traffic and, and get out on your bike. I guess you could walk too if you really wanted to walk. That's a long walk, though. It might be a long but walk, but you could do it if you wanted to. Yeah, but but that's all coming. We're pushed out on social media. So Crofton Connector coming, Peppergate fully back up and running. That will be happening very soon. And again, yeah. hopefully by the time you're listening to this. Yeah, and uh, so th- it, once you're hearing this, this is probably going to be the last time you're hearing us for a couple of weeks. Uh, we have don't some. Panic. Don't panic. We'll be back. <laughs> don't worry. We have some maintenance going on in our building, and we're not going to have our production space. But we'll be back soon, and we hope to have some great uh, content for you. We're hoping to talk about some school stuff, maybe. Yes. That would be great. That that would probably be a good idea. All right, so we look forward to seeing you next time, and uh, have a good one. 
Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as iTunes. We're also on divotub.net. If you search for it, need to classify. 